Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with another great episode of Talking in Circles. We have John Harlow coming up with us as well, and Joseph Shelton will be here on from SpeedwayMedia.com to discuss an investigative, investigative piece that he wrote about former NASCAR driver Bobby Hamilton Jr. and what he's done in the ARCA series. It's a very interesting piece that, that broke this week on SpeedwayMedia.com. Bobby Hamilton Jr., you know, who's uh, obviously a lot of people know him from, from his dad. His father, Bobby Hamilton, was a, uh, a big-time Spring Cup Series driver, won four races in the Cup Series. Bobby Jr. even ran in the Cup Series for a while. Had a lot of success in the Xfinity Series, what is now the Xfinity Series, what was then known as the Bush Series as well. So uh, that'll be an interesting topic to discuss with Joseph Shelton when he comes on here a little bit later as well. We also break down Bristol and we preview Michigan here on Talking Circles. But first, let's get right to it. It was the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race, if you can call it that. It was run in the daytime on Sunday for a majority of it. Um, we, we ran about 30 laps um, prior to the caution coming out for rain again on Saturday night. They ran it on Sunday. It was delayed on Sunday. I think they started around 3 o'clock on Sunday, but they got it in. And Kevin Harvick won his 33rd career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series race. It was an interesting race. A lot of cautions. It was there was nine cautions for 110 laps, which is a ton of a 500 mile or 500 lap race at Bristol Motor Speedway. But at the end, it was Kevin Harvick who prevailed. John Harlow, one of the big name drivers who um, prevailed, who didn't have any trouble. There was a lot of big name drivers that had a lot of trouble. We'll discuss that. But Kevin Harvick, his 33rd career win. Your thoughts on the race on Sunday at Bristol? I think. NASCAR finally found something that will help out repaves because <clears throat> watching all three races between the Truck Series race, the Xfinity Series race, and the Cup Series, both Saturday night for what little bit they got in and then Sunday, the bottom groove worked and the top groove worked. And there was passing on both grooves. So they did something great there. Um, Harvick was in the right place at the right time, and he called this series this season the season of jinxes because he figured this season was jinxed because how many times have they led the most laps and had an issue either on pit road or some freak accident happened to them on the track or something crazy happened that wound up. I mean, you look, the last time they had a race shortened by rain, they were, I mean, the one at Pocono where Chris Buescher won. Harvick was going to win that race if they could have got it back under green because he was the fastest car on the track by far, and he just uh, called it up and said, well, that's part of the jinx of 2016. They're in the right place at the right time, starting deep in the field, had to play the track I mean, had to play the track position game and was in the right spot at the right time. And uh, It's going to build momentum for them. They went to Chicago and tested this week. They're the fastest there by a mile per hour the first day. So, I mean, yeah. winning breeds success, and – Harvick's been running great all year, just had a couple things here and there happen to him. I think you get them back in victory lane, there may be, may be several more coming. Yeah, and, and like I said, a lot of big-name drivers have had some issues. Kyle Busch with 256 laps. With the dominant car at Bristol, it looked like Kyle Busch was going to run away with the thing. He had some trouble, crashes. He finishes in the 39th position. His brother, Kurt, who was really uh, looked like a, a really fast car, he had trouble as well. Uh, Matt Kenneth ran into some issues. Ryan Blaney, who had a really fast Virginia Tech motorcraft board, 
he got involved in a wreck Brad Kozlowski as well so it was a, a wreck field Mark Tricks Jr. got in some trouble uh, Kyle Larson as well all guys who had really really fast race cars on Sunday um, and just you know Joe Logano even found some trouble yeah he finished 10th and was able to rebound uh, and get a top 10 out of it but he had some trouble so kind of a, a, an interesting finish to this results to these race here at Bristol Motor Speedway um, considering Harvick was, was he really the only big name driver in the top 10 or in the top 5 I should say uh, that you should see up there you know Danny Hamlin usually runs up well he finished 3rd so he had a decent day as well but it was Stenhouse in 2nd I don't think anybody saw Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finishing 2nd this weekend Austin Dillon ran he finished 4th and Chris Buescher a team that needed to finish in the top 30 to get in the chase a solid day for Chris Bush in the loves, loves travel stops forward for Front Row Motorsports, goes out there, puts the top five out there for that team, and finishes fifth, and he's way, way good to the 30th now. As David Reagan, who he needed to catch, finished in the 21st position. But some uh, interesting names up in the top half of the field here at Bristol. Well, Stenhouse always, he's run great at Bristol since he came to the Cup Series. I think that's one of the things. And plus, it was a feel-good story. Um running Brian Clawson's paint scheme, having Brian Clawson's girlfriend and her family with them on Saturday night and Sunday. It just was a feel-good story that Stenhouse got second. And for one of the times I would rather, I would have loved to have seen him win just to see him park it in victory lane. Saturday night or Sunday afternoon would have been great to see Stenhouse pull that win off. Um, Busher just stayed steady. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of the big names that got in trouble, and if you avoided the trouble, you did okay. So, Busher avoided the trouble. He missed all the wrecks. They were close to him a couple times, but he avoided them, stayed out of trouble, got himself a top five finish and some breathing room in front of David Reagan to make sure he can make the chase. He's almost, I mean, basically, it's not far from him clinching because if they stay like they have all year, we're all you have to do is stay where Reagan goes. I mean, he doesn't have to race the rest of the field. All you have to do is race David Reagan. And if he stays close to him, I think they'll be fine and get into the chase, which takes a spot away from somebody. Yeah, and there was an interesting report out of, uh, I think it was Fox Sports had it, that Alan Cavana, I believe, said that, you know, Busher obviously gets some help from the Rash Fenway teams. He's a Rash Fenway driver. Uh, and they said they're giving more support, more chassis, more info to that 34 team as well. So, and that's something the 23 team at BK Racing just can't compete with. Um, so Chris Busher, yeah, he's in really good shape. It was a very good run. Had to stay out of trouble. This weekend at Michigan won't be nearly as uh, – won't be the attrition rate won't nearly be as high at Michigan this weekend, you wouldn't expect, as it was at a short track like Bristol. Um, but, you know, it was an interesting day, like I said, at Bristol. Even Jeff Gordon, you know, Jeff Gordon was a guy who had a bunch uh, – four championships in, his, in this sport. He had some trouble, and uh, – it was a it was a wreck filled race, John Harlow. I tell you, it was. Uh, but I, but here's here's the thing. You know, I agree with you. I think the um, the substance they used to, to to help rub up the racetrack on the bottom, uh, man, oh man, did that work. I mean, that that bottom lane. You know, it wasn't the preferred lane around, but it certainly helped the passing there because we see Bristol in recent years get to a point where you know it's almost follow the leader where you run the high lane and nobody can really do anything because the bottom lane is such a disadvantage. It's not even worth going down there. So um, it was. It was. It wasn't that at all on Sunday, which is good. And hopefully, this is something that other tracks can learn from. But there's certain they got to be careful with this, John, because there's certain race tracks that uh, it might hamper. You know, you might have a uh, a a a 
you know, one lane racetrack at certain racetracks. But yeah, uh, I thought it was an interesting race. And that's something we'll get back to here in a little bit on Talking in Circles as Joseph Shelton, who wrote a very, very good investigative piece on SpeedwayMedia.com this week, joins the show. And Joseph, I want to thank you for joining the show. Thanks for taking the time out tonight on Talking in Circles. Uh, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? I said thanks for taking the time out for joining the Talking Circles tonight. We appreciate you being here. Oh, yeah, not a problem. Uh, uh, First of all, you know, for people who didn't read your article, and again, I I want to, if you haven't read it, it's phenomenal. Uh, What's going on over there with Bobby Hamilton Jr., a guy who I think his dad and him had a lot of respect in the NASCAR ranks when they ran up in NASCAR? Uh, What's going on there? Uh, you know, that's a good that's a good question. I mean, from uh, talking to Kevin Hinkle, who was one of the ARCA drivers, uh, whenever uh, whenever Bobby Hamilton Jr. left uh, Carter Two Motorsports, everybody was so optimistic that with Bobby Hamilton Jr. it was going to be a new beginning. You know, they weren't going to deal with the shenanigans that Roger Carter uh, put them through, and yet it seems like Hamilton's following the same road uh, Car- Carter's, Carter went in uh, conning the drivers, conning sponsors. I mean, I'm hearing not only things from drivers, but uh, his partner at Hamilton Hughes Racing, Jack Hughes, he's got a lot to say as well, as does his former PR agent. I mean, I'm getting plenty of drivers. I mean, I'm hearing sponsors are going after the guy. I mean, I, I mean, who knows what's going, what went through his mind right there? Who, who knows what's going on with that guy at the moment? Yeah, it's interesting, you know. And this isn't the first time I've heard some things about Bobby Hamilton Jr. I know. Uh, a couple of years ago, this is probably going back almost a half a decade, even more now, where he, uh, and I, the details are a little, might escape my mind a little bit, but there was something where he pulled a gun out on some per- people for owing them money or something like that on the racetrack. So uh, this, isn't the fir- this isn't the first blemish on his resume, but you brought up a good point, I thought. Um, you know, there's a lot of races out there in ARCA who are trying to make it, and this isn't the first issue with ARCA, the ARCA series. Um, you know, you mentioned Roger Carter. He gets accused a lot of, of, of pretty much the same thing. Where uh, you know they take a lot of they take some some guy's money or some driver's money, and they don't race them in the cars. Is there anything ARCA can do here to help prevent this? Because it's a really a bad look for the series. You, you know, if there is, no, nobody's, nobody's coming up with any answers just yet. I mean, I understand corruption in racing is not a uh, is not a new thing. I mean, remember J.D. Stacey back in the day? There was problems with him as well. But uh, hopefully here before too long, I'm, hopefully here before too long, we can hear something from the uh, ARCA brass and see if there's anything they can implement because it's kind of sad seeing these uh, – these underdog racers, these underdog groups who have these huge racing dreams, I mean, they don't have the backing that most drivers do. They don't have the funds that most drivers do. So a lot of them, they have to fund a lot of their own money just to be able to be in a semi-competitive car. And uh, it's it's rough seeing the little guy being taken for a ride. I mean, and especially with Bobby Hamilton Jr. I mean, you think of Bobby Hamilton, you think of, uh, you think of the Hamiltons in NASCAR, you think of Bobby Hamilton Sr., I mean, the class act. Uh, just an individual that you couldn't help but respect. I mean, he had success under his name. He had a great reputation in the sport. And, you know, at first, back in uh, Bobby Hamilton Jr.'s at Bush Series days, he was kind of successful, too. So you hear these names, you associate them with racing, and you think, you know, hey, I might have a – if you're the little guy, you're thinking that, man, I might have a chance at doing some good. This might be the big break I've always been looking for. You know, this could be it. And next thing you know, they're – out of, they're out of a lot of money. They're out of a chance to drive. They're out of a ride, and it's 
it's sad to see. Now, Joseph, whenever you're going through and checking everything out and talking to these couple drivers who have f- filed suit against Bobby Hamilton and you've got other people, you've got more pieces coming down the road on speedwaymedia.com, um, how are they doing now that they've already, I mean, they're fighting to get their money back? Are they basically sitting on the side saying, boy, if I would have spent my money somewhere else, I probably could have been a competitive late model somewhere, or are they still chasing the dream, or are they just stuck in limbo waiting to try to get their money back, which may take years in the court system? Well, they're, uh, I mean, they're still they're still chasing the dream. I mean, with the Ganesis, for example, I mean, Right, right now, I mean, as uh, as I pointed out in the article, uh, right now they're uh, working. A, I mean, they're having to work three jobs, which you know anybody who's had to work multiple jobs knows how big of a pain that they can be. But uh, you know, you got the drivers that sold all their late model equipment. They sold all of the racing equipment that they have right now. I mean, but as for the Gannises, they they bought another late model. They're getting everything in gear, everything ready. They're going to go right back at it. And I mean. And I'm sure with Kevin Hinkle as well, he's he. I'm sure he's trying to get some stuff in gear. But at the same, but at the same time, you know, from what from what I've been told, they're all getting together. All of these, all of these drivers that have been stiffed by Hamilton, and all of these crew members and agents, they're all getting together and they're trying. They're trying their hardest to, or they're going to try to uh, put together a court case and possibly try to try try to get him down the road. I mean, all is one for a uh, fraud. So I mean, what you know that that might be that might be you know tugging on Superman's cape there. I mean, nothing might come of that, but uh, I don't think they're going to be just sitting there idly, just twiddling their thumbs. I mean, I know they've got racing on the mind, and I know they're going to be back, and they're I know they're going to be back into it, and they're going to be uh, giving it giving it another shot. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, you put in your article that the attempts to reach Hamilton haven't haven't weren't met. Uh, you know that, that he ha- hadn't returned your calls or emails or however you try to uh, reach him. You know, and it as I mentioned before, there have been other teams who have been accused of this, but those people have been very outspoken in denial against this. Do you find it curious? Uh, and have you heard anything else that, about Bobby Hamilton Jr. and why he's been silent, or uh, has he come out and made up statements about this that we haven't heard yet? Uh, what 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 do you think he's doing right now? Honestly, honestly, uh, honestly, that's a good question. I mean, uh, on, on Twitter, one of the one of the one of the accounts on Twitter, uh, drunk Brian France, he was quick to point out that during the time that I was trying to get a hold of him, and you know, I tried various ways. I tried emailing him. I tried giving him a phone call. I mean, I even went against my usual code of ethics and tried to send him a message on Facebook, and which was met met with nothing. Yet the guy took plenty of time to go out there and do some catfishing. You know, I mean, on Facebook there's a there's a nice big old picture of him holding a pair of uh, catfish. You know, so I don't know what's going through the guy's head. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that uh, he knows all this heat going on. He's finding the time to just you know go out and relax and have some leisure time. But uh, I, I, I will say this: something that was pointed out to me was uh, after this article came out, uh, something funny happened. He removed anything pertaining to racing off of his Facebook, and now it's just mostly filled with family pictures and all of that. So I don't know what's going on there, but I'm sure he's probably gotten wind of the article by now. I mean, I'm hoping that whenever I try to get a hold of him again, I hope he speaks his piece. I want to hear his side of the story. I mean, my biggest fear in uh, writing this article was that I did not want it to come out as a smear article. I mean, 
one of the biggest things about journalism is that you've got to make sure you get both sides of the story, regardless of uh, what the facts are showing. I mean, it's always important to get the other side of the story from the other party. And I, I, I'm giving him plenty of chances. You know, if he's got if he's got another view of events, please speak out. Let's hear your side of things. But if, you know, he's been silent in this time, so no telling. Well, one thing, Joseph, is is if you go through and here's these young drivers who see a Bobby Hamilton Jr. who had relative success in NASCAR and fielding a car in ARCA and trying to get their start, thinking this is my way to get to the big time that I get hooked up with a guy who has the name behind him. But if you look at the future of the ARCA series, other than Venturini Motorsports, Frank Kimmel, the Bobby Gearharts, who really is out there that you can latch on to and say, hopefully I'm going to get a ride that makes me gets me noticed by the Hendricks, the Penske's, heck, even the front row motorsports. Who's out there for these young drivers to hook on to? You know, really, there's not there's not too much out there right now. I mean, that's not a slight against these individual ARCA teams that are able to go out there, but uh, like, you were, like you were pointing out, the Kimmels and the Centurinis and all that stuff, it's basically just another version of uh, what we have in the Sprint Cup and Xfinity Series with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and Team Penske. I mean, those are the guys that are always winning. Those are the guys that are always at the front. I mean, if, you, if, you're, not, if, you're, not, if you're not a representative or if you're not hooked up with either team, then you might as well be running around for fifth place or sixth place or something like that. I mean, all they can really do is just try to latch along with the team and hope that they're consistent enough that they draw some attention. But other than that, like you were pointing out, sorry about that. If you're, uh, if you're, uh, here, hold on, just. If you're not linked up with either of those teams, then any hope for a victory or extreme success is kind of out the window. Now, uh, talking in circles here, Clayton Calder with John Harlow and, and talking to Joseph Shelton from SpeedwayMedia.com to discuss his investigative piece on former NASCAR driver and current ARCA Series team owner and driver Bobby Hamilton, Jr., um, a very again a very good piece. If you haven't read it, please go to SpeedwayMedia.com to read it. I think it, it, it's a very informative piece. And Joseph, you know, I, I think John touched on this a little bit, but you have a couple more articles coming out about this situation. Uh, can is there any you know a little bit of a preview you can do for those articles, uh, maybe to give us a, a sense of what's ahead? Uh, well, like I said, I have at least uh, I mean right now as it stands, I have three more drivers coming up, but that number is supposedly grown. I'm getting a uh, Right after this message came out, I got wind of a couple other drivers that had something to say over Twitter, and right now I'm trying to hammer out the details with him for what happened with Claudia Hamilton Jr. And on top of that, like I said, I've got his uh, former PR agent who who uh, alleged that he was very uh, very abusive, very verbally manipulative with her. I mean, uh, he's talking to him, and there's not, there's not that political thing. He was horrible. And I'm also not exactly wanting to talk and say this, but he's talking about how after partnering up with him, you know, there was zero communication with people, and it was horrible, and it was probably making decisions that he used to do it. That sort of thing, and there's a few things that I can't really speak out right now, I mean, out of certain, in accordance with their wishes, but uh, stay tuned here the next few weeks, there's going to be some other bombshells that are going to be put out there. All right, well, we're really, really interested in reading that, Joseph. Thank you so much 
for uh, for joining the show tonight here on Talking in Circles, and you know we'll we'll look keep our eye out, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll be in touch with you soon again, John Joseph. Thank you so much for joining the show. That was really some good informative information there, John, uh, about Bobby Hamilton Jr. and and I I agree with him. I think he you know the way he said it was was perfect, where he said, hey. Uh, you're a journalist, you need to get both sides of the story. And that's what I really like to hear. I'd like to hear the other side because you can always, you know, it's gone on forever where people have, in racing have accused somebody of, of, you know, embezzlement and stealing money from them and stuff like that. But I just find it really curious how uh, a driver with, you know, he's got a big name. I mean, you know, his dad, like I said, had a lot of success in the, in the Cup Series. He had some, uh, I thought he was, you know, I, I always said he was a guy who never really got the big shot that deserved one. Um, and, he, you know, so he's got a big name here, and this is a lot of damage reputation to his name if he doesn't come out and speak his side. So uh, I find it very curious that he's been silent through all this. Well, that's one of the things. I mean, once the lawyers get involved, they're going to be quiet no matter what. They're going to let uh, the lawyers take care of things because anything you say can be used against you. And even if he has a comment where if he does put a statement out or anything, it'll be lawyer-proof and so generic that says uh, we did this, this, and this, and we will defend ourselves or whatever. I mean, if he's not going to go out and just talk to anybody without a lawyer in his in his back pocket before they do something like that. Whenever the lawsuits start f- flying, that's whenever everybody really gets quiet. If it was just he said, she said, it'll be he said, she said, and he'll say. But now that the lawyers are involved, lawsuits are involved, it's going to be in there. I mean, one of the things I'm saddened about when it comes to reading this, um, and then again, we also must remember the, it, he's innocent until he's proven guilty. These are just allegations right now. Um, but until you look at it as a young driver and you have a guy who made it to the Xfinity Series, had some, had a taste of cup, family name that's really good and you think this is you're a young driver this might be the guy who can help me get to where i want to get to and you end up getting taken to the cleaners what's that do for the young driver who's trying to get it who do you actually latch yourself on to because you almost have to anymore if you're coming up through the field you we've talked about it many times the Corey lajoys the brandon mcreynolds the young drivers who don't have a sponsorship package with them that can't get there Here's people who are paying their way to get into ARCA. Just imagine how it's going to be when they're trying to get into Cup or trying to get into Infinity oh, yeah. or trying to get into the Truck Series. They're talking sixty-five, seventy thousand bucks to get into um, the ARCA Series. Just imagine how much they're going to have to pony up to get into just a truck ride or the Xfinity ride. So, I mean, you might as well triple that to even think about getting an Xfinity ride or a cup ride, and that's a crap team, not even a decent-level team. So it's to the point now, unless you're doing it for the love of the sport, you better come with seven figures behind you to help you get wherever you're going to go. Yeah, it's it's a sad reality. Number seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. if you want to join the conversation here. I'm talking in circles about anything about Bristol, Michigan, Bobby Hamilton piece. We're going to talk also about uh, William Byron and his new development deal with Hendrick Motorsports, which is something that's very interesting as well. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a sad reality. I mean, here's, here's a, a sport that it's based off of money, a lot of it. And getting a ride now, sponsorships are so, are so key. 
you know, the one positive if you're a, a Cups fan, even in, even in a lower series, you know, there's a lot of established teams in this sport now who, um, you know, for example, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, all those established race teams, they're not going anywhere. So you know when you sign with those teams, you're not going to get, you know, kicked to the curb. But, you know, we've seen it in the past. You know, he mentioned J.D. Stacey. He had some issues. Warner Hogman was a guy who uh, back in the 80s had a lot of issues. And, and even recent, more recently, back in the early 2000s, when Mike McLaughlin's career kind of ended, was with Angela Motorsports. Uh, a lot of people forget that, which was kind of like a Ponzi scheme almost So in, in the Xfinity series. So that was another deal where uh, we saw something come on like this. And I think there's no end. Here's where, where I was my question came from, I don't think there's anything you can do to prevent this kind of thing. And that's, you know, Arcus had a couple of this, like, right? like I said, Roger Carter, who uh, Bobby Hamilton ran with last year, he gets accused of this a lot. And uh, I'm not saying he's wrong either, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of accusations out there for, about him in particular in that race team. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, certainly a lot of, it happens a lot in Arca, and it's a, it's a sad look for that series because you want that series to be a building block and I don't think there's, but there's no nothing they can do in that series, which is really, really tough for them. So they're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. You also have Bobby Ginn, who came in, bought out MB2 Motorsports, and was going to build this monster team, and it went away. I mean, Mark Martin was going to drive for Bobby Ginn and all that stuff, and then it became part of uh, DEI because right. Bobby Ginn went away, and there was no place for them to go. So DEI scooped it up, and then it became, whenever DEI started to fold, it became part of Chip Ganassi. But, I mean, there are people who either think they have money or they think they have enough money until they figure out how much it costs to run a cup team at a competitive level. And then it's like, wait a minute, I didn't have this much money. Or, I mean, heck, even go back to George Gillette with what he did with Ray Evernham. The reason Everham mm-hmm. Motorsports didn't go away because Ray, Ray Everham got tired of footing the bills when Dodge sort of backed out, but he got the partner in George Gillette, and George Gillette was over-leveraged between his soccer team in Europe and owning the Montreal Canadiens. He wound up having to sell um, Everham Motorsports and merging it with Richard Petty Motorsports, and then uh, he wound up selling the Canadiens. So NASCAR is big-time money. And that's why we've talked many times on this as well. Where are the next group of car owners coming from? I know the franchising is there that makes it valuable <coughs> if you're going to sell your team, but where are the racers, the Jack Roushes, the Roger Penskys, the Chip Canassies, who are racers and they are car owners? Mm-hmm. Before that, it was the Junior Johnsons. Before that, I mean, the Rick Hendricks. Where are these guys going to come from? Because the Rick Hendricks... The Jack Roushes, the Roger Penskys, they're all in their upper 60s to early 70s. The Joe Gibbs, where's the next car owners coming from? And are they going to be are they going to be racers? Or are they going to be investment bankers hoping to make a couple bucks and then they realize the only way you make any money is spend money, and you end up spending more to make less than what you get. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here. If you want to join the conversation on talking in circles, but uh, again, we want to thank Joseph Shelton from SpeedwayMedia.com for coming on tonight. I, it was, you know, uh, he's a very busy guy writing and investigating these pieces uh, on a, a wild situation, really bizarre situation in the Yarka series. So, well, keep an eye out. Again, if you haven't read it, it's uh, it's on SpeedwayMedia.com this week. Joseph Shelton 
wrote it, and uh, keep your eye out for other pieces as well if you have read it. Uh, it should be, it's a very developing story and uh, something that I'm excited to read about going forward just to see how all this plays out. Um, but, you know, let's kind of bring us back to where we started this show from and talk about Bristol again here quick. And, and before Joseph came on here, um, I want to talk about Bristol and what the sort of sticky stuff you can call it, the polishing of the racetrack did to the racing. And here's what I was getting at. I think it was great for Bristol. I thought it worked well. Um, it, like I said, the outside lane was always it's what, it was still a preferred lane, I think, in general. But you could go to the bottom and you could pass. And I think that was huge, especially if you had a faster race car. You could go to the bottom and pass. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. But, you know, I don't know if you could – you know, Dick, Dr. Dick Burton was on SiriusXM NASCAR radio this weekend – this week, I should say. And he said something very interesting. He said, you know, you can't put it everywhere because if you put it at a track like Michigan and the preferred lanes uh, where the grip is – you're going to one-grid racetrack, and you want to run-grid racetrack at Michigan. You want a two- or three-grid racetrack at Michigan where you can pass in the corners and stuff like that. That's a very good point. It's a very fair and very solid point. So uh, it's something we got to keep an eye on. But uh, for Bristol, it certainly worked, John Harlow, no doubt about it. Yeah, it did work. And if you look at what Michigan's doing right now, they've been running trucks dragging tires around to make sure rubber got into the track. And I was listening to um, Ricky Stenhouse with Claire B. last night. And Stenhouse said one of the things, they got to the middle at Michigan, but they didn't get to the top. And Michigan, whenever it's the pavement starts wearing out, is a top-to-bottom racetrack. Stenhouse mm-hmm. is saying he hopes that they start at the top and work their way down instead of starting the middle and adding the second groove. I mean, if they get to the top and work their way down, Michigan will be four lanes of racing, which is always great to see in Michigan. Once they get that in, if the pavement wears out, it really turns into a really nice track, the same way California has. The sad part is, sooner or later, they're going to have to repave California, and they're going to have to try to figure it out again. I think the sticky stuff will work at Bristol. It won't work at a place like Martinsville because there's no no banking for the second groove to come in. I mean, Martinsville's flat. New Hampshire's flat. It's not going to work at New Hampshire. But if you've got a, a short track, Maybe it's something that works to add the second and third group back in at Richmond sometime coming up in the future. But I think it's going to work at the short tracks. The putting tires in there, rubbing, running rubber into the track, that's probably going to help at the bigger tracks. But we'll see how it works this week when they go to Michigan. And now, John, help me out here because uh, you know this. And people who listen to the show know this. But uh, for maybe new listeners who don't listen to the show every week, don't really know this. I'm not wonderful when it comes to uh, figuring out the ins and outs of a race car. You're a lot better than I am on that. But here's my question. You know, I remember when I was a kid that these racetracks would rubber in no problem. Um, why don't – is there any way we can do this naturally where maybe we can rubber in the racetrack where we can get the bottom lane working at Bristol naturally where, you know, we don't have to rely on a sticky stuff solution. Um, have the cars gotten too close? Is there too much horsepower in these race cars? Why don't – you know, are, is Goodyear just – uh, you know, rubber that Goodyear is bringing to the racetrack just doesn't suck up, suck into the racetrack as well as it used to. Why don't we see this anymore? Why don't? Why do we have to run the tire? We never used to, have to do that. We had great racing back in the '90s, and I'm excited we're able to do that. But why is that the case? Where now we have to do this when previously we didn't? Well, I was listening to Moody the other day, and there was a guy who called in and said he used to work at Goodyear and used to help make the tires. Now, again, it's a caller to Moody, so you never know whether he's telling the truth or whether he's full of crap. But he said that when the oil prices went up, some of the oil and stuff that they put into the compounds, they started taking out. 
So the compounds are different that Goodyear's putting out because they said it was too much with the oil that they were paying for to put that into the rubber and make the compound what it was. The other part is we're running more downforce than they ever have. The cars are so close together. I mean, you look at Bristol, what was it, less than a half second from first to 40th? Or, I mean, it was under it was under three quarters of a second for sure. So you've got everybody running the same speeds. You're trying to get them in two different grooves. It's tough to do whenever it's everybody's so much in the same box that you really can't find that much of a difference between first and fortieth, especially at a place like Bristol. Um, part of Bristol is it's concrete. And it's a matter of how much rubber they can get in. It rained every day at Bristol, so every time they got a chance to rubber in the track, it got cleaned off and they had to start all over from scratch. Um, I think the Goop worked at Bristol. And if it's something they have to do, they use it at NHRA stuff to get the burnout so they can start without uh, lighting up the tires and getting a good grip coming off of the start. I think it worked great. We'll see what happens at Michigan running the tires in. But the fresh pavement, I mean, the pavement's different now than it was in the 90s. And also, the tracks we were watching in the 90s, a lot of them were 10-, 15-year-old paved jobs. The only new one we saw in the 90s was really Atlanta when they reconfigured. And it was lights on fire, but it was one groove. It took a couple years for Atlanta to wear out, and then it became all over the place, and it's great racing, just nobody goes. And that's what hurts Atlanta. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's just, it's very interesting in this whole process because, again, I loved it, what I saw. But, you know, I remember racetracks getting very, very rubbered in when I was a kid, and we don't really just see that anymore. And I don't, I don't know why, whether it's, you know, the different types of racetracks we're seeing, the, the, if it's the cars are different, if the tire, and it might be a combination of all of it. Uh, but I thought that was very, very interesting that we have to go out and do this. And listen, if they, that's fine by me. If, if the racetracks don't mind spending the money, uh, I think it's it's totally okay by me if they want to do it, as long as we get good racing and we get a good product on Sunday. I don't care how we get to it. Um, but as long as the racetracks don't mind spending the money, I don't mind that. Um, but it was an interesting day, like I said, at Bristol. A lot of big-name drivers had some issues, but some drivers really gained a lot on points. One was Trevor Bain. Another one was Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the Roush team. Bain ended up 12th which was a good day for him. He's currently 15th in points. He's 35 points back to Ryan Newman, who currently holds the last spot in the chase uh, on points. You know, you got Tony Stewart and Chris Buescher right now is in the top 30 in points who both have wins, who will be in the chase if they if they remain in the top 30 in points, which both, with both of them should in the final three races uh, as we get to the chase for the Spring Cup at Chicagoland in September. But, you know, uh, I felt, you know, a tough two weeks for Kyle Larson, a guy who... And a team, really, I believe, John, who really should be in this chase. They've had a tremendous. They've had so much speed lately. They've really been good. But you know, you got to remember what happened when Watkins Glen. He gets turned around there, and really gets involved in, in two accidents that weren't his fault at all. Uh, so a tough t- last two weeks for Kyle Larson, a, a team and a driver who I thought has really come on here of late. Uh, so he's right now 39 points out of the final spot for the chase, so it's going to probably take a win from anybody out now. I don't, you know, Barring some major, major collapses from Ryan Newman and Jim McMurray and even Chase Elliott, uh, I don't see those guys dropping out of the chase. So one of these guys, if you want to see a, a new chase contender, uh, I think some of these guys are going to have to win here, John Harlow, before we get to uh, Chicago in September. 
Yeah, it's going to take a win because it, there's enough gap and everybody's going to be points racing from this point forward if they're at the bottom four um, to make sure they get in. One of the things that I um, am impressed with, especially with the Kyle Larson, the way he has been running, was Tony Stewart did a uh, podcast with Nate Ryan on NBC Sports, the NASCAR page on NBC Sports, and Tony basically said he sort of pushed Chad Johnston out, and part of it was he said he didn't want to ruin Chad's career. He thought he wasn't – He Tony was thinking he was the problem. Chad was thinking he was the problem, and Tony said, you need to go find something else so I don't ruin your career because Tony had such a bad couple years, and he's hitting it off with Mike Bogaravich. But I like how, and I was probably as down on Chad Johnson as anybody because I thought Tony Stewart could never forget how to drive a race car. He'll be like Kenny Schrader, 65 years old, coming out of his motorhome and hopping into something with four wheels on and going out and trying to win a race. Um, But I think Chad Johnson has um, made a name for himself in the garage again, and I think that's a good move for Chad. I like seeing that. And Stewart even said, we're still really, really, really good friends. I'm glad he got hooked up with Larson, and they should be something to go on as they go in the future. I think Larson has been running as good, if not better, than a lot of the teams that are in the top 16 right now. He's just had a lot of bad luck lately. But don't count him out. Michigan, he runs well. Richmond, he runs well. And he likes the top groove. He likes to ride it high. So you never know what could happen at Darlington either. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. And you're right. Listen, I can totally see Larson winning any of the remaining three races uh, here down the stretch. It, it was a it's a very very uh, interesting um, deal here with this chase where you, know, you got sixteen teams and teams that. If you got off to a solid start like Chase Elliott and Jimmy Johnson, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, but Larson's a guy who got off to a rough start and just didn't have the luck to kind of accumulate the points he needed here to uh, to move forward uh, toward the chase, and, and that's and that's a crying shame here. Uh, final thoughts on Bristol before we move on here, John Harlow. I think it was better because of the goop. Um, as typical Bristol, somebody came out with their feelings hurt, and that person happened to be Justin Allgaier filling in for uh, Michael Annette because he committed to the bottom and Kyle Busch slid down, and by the time he could get woed up or moved up to the top, he wound up taking Kyle Busch's front end out and wound up paying the price with Kyle Busch slamming him into media. But, I mean, it was your typical Bristol, but it was better racing because you could go down to the bottom, make your move, and do a slide job to get up to the top and get past them. So there was passing. It was nice, and I'm happy that they put the goop down, and hopefully it'll keep provide. They'll do it a little further up the track more to possibly get the third lane in. 917-889-8280. If you want to join the conversation here on Talking in Circles, Clayton Caldwell with Speedway Media's John Harlow here on Talking in Circles. Um, a couple of interesting news tidbits this week. Um, the William Byron situation first, and then let's talk about Elliot Sadler here, John Harlow, where the both out of Junior Motorsports camp. Um, Elliot Sadler looked like one main financial was out of the sport. They had announced earlier in the in the year they weren't going to return uh, as a, a sponsor in NASCAR to now coming out here earlier this week and say, hey, you know what, we've kind of decided to change that 
and we're going to do 20 races on Elliott Sadler next year for Junior Motorsports. So what looked like Elliott Sadler's career in NASCAR might be over, uh, and now it looks like he will continue and, and drive at Junior Motorsports next year. Uh, what were your thoughts when you heard those, that news coming out um, out of Junior Motorsports this week? Well, I think that's one of the cool things about the way sponsorship works. Um, one main financial got bought out, so the people who bought them didn't know anything about, really know anything about NASCAR, but they decided to come to a couple races, and they see Sadler running toward the front. They see the amount of TV time that that one car was getting. They see how well Elliot Sadler does as a spokesperson for their organization. Um, and they said, well, we can't do 34 races, but we can do 20. And they saw the return on investment after they've got in and sat down, looked at the numbers, went and saw the race to see what happened, see how many people go to one main financial. They go to the Sadler trailer. They see people running around with Sadler T-shirts that have one main financial on. So they're seeing a return on investment. And I think it's great that the sponsor stayed in the sport. I think the William Byron move, I think we talked about it quick last week, that that was a shocker. Um, nobody saw Mr. H swapping, swiping in and getting him. We had already penciled him, him in to the 20 car next year when Eric Jones moves to the 77. We figured that car was Byron's and he was going to run for Joe Gibbs Racing and go through the Toyota pipeline. Mr. H looked at it and said, hey, this kid's something to do. We need him. He's back at Junior Motorsports, who gave him a start in the late models, and he's going to do just fine there. It puts Casey Kane right on the hot seat for 2018 because he's got one more year on his contract. If he lays an egg next year, and Kane even said it, he said, if I don't perform next year, I need to go somewhere else because I'm not the guy for the job. The other part is it gives them a backup in case Dale Earnhardt Jr. does not come back. And I thought it was very interesting last night on um, the Fox Sports NASCAR show. Booty Barker was race on hub. there. On the right. race hub, yeah. And Booty Barker was on there and said he does not expect Dale Jr. back this year and possibly ever. And he said he's wow. got more money than Moses. He's got he's forty going on 41. He's got a fiance. They're going to want to have a family. He wants to see it, know it, be a part of it. It is something that he's got to think about, and he's still going through all the process to try to get cleared. When is the point where you've had too many concussions and you don't want to take the chance of becoming the Dave Durisons, the Andre Waters that you saw from the concussion movie? When do you want to, okay, I'm done, I'm I'm not taking that chance that down the road I'm 55 years old and I can't spell my own name. And that's something I bet Dale Earnhardt Jr. is taking a long, hard look at. I bet you he's working hand-in-hand with Rick Hendrick to figure out what is the best play, depending on what his doctors have to say. Yeah, listen, it's a, you know, I think everybody and their brother really thought he would be back by now um, because when we think concussion, we think, well, it's going to take a couple of weeks for him to get over that. He might miss two, three, at the most four. And, and listen, I've heard rumors that you know there was some people in Hendrick Motorsports camp who thought maybe Dale would only miss that much time. You know, not Rick Hendrick himself, but uh, maybe even the driver substituting for him. I don't think Jeff Gordon thought he would be here as long as he uh, is here. So it, it's it's interesting. You know, it's very interesting. Dale Jr. 
we know what kind of guy he is. He's a great guy. He, he we know what kind of race car driver he is. He does. He's had a lot of success in the Sprint Cup Series. Hasn't won a championship yet, and you have to wonder if that lingers at all. But you know, I, I again, I thought he'd be back by now. I really did, and uh, it's a scary situation he's in. Um, no doubt about it. And you know, came out this week. He's going to miss Darlington, and you know, you know, he probably really wanted to drive that Buddy Baker car that he's got as a throwback scheme there, the Great Ghost. He really wanted to drive that car. He was all excited at the beginning of the year to say, hey, you know what, um, I want to drive that race car. I can't wait to drive it. And now he's missing Darlington. And not only is he missing Darlington, but he's missing Michigan. And, and Jeff Gordon, who has some prior obligations for Michigan, um, it's going to be Alex Bowman in the 88 this weekend. So, um, listen, there's a lot of stuff going on, on out there for Hendrick Motorsports, but signing William Byron isn't a bad move. You know, it gives you the option. If Dale Earnhardt doesn't come back, you know, kind of gives you, okay, well, we can do this if we have to. If Casey Kane lays an egg, like you said, in 2017, which, you know, he's got to pick it up because there's no doubt about it. You know, Casey Kane might, have, might not have a championship to run for in the final 10 races of 2016. I really don't think he's going to. But what he's going to have to do is establish himself. He's going to have to reestablish because this is a guy who a lot of people, myself included, who thought Elliot, or when he came to Hendrick Motorsports, that Casey Kane was going to be a championship contender through and through, and he, he looked like that early on at Motorsports. But something has happened, whether it's the race cars, whether it's Hendrick Motorsports isn't nearly as uh, don't have nearly as much depth as we originally thought they had, or whatnot. Something has happened to that five team. Something has happened to Casey Kane, where they just haven't run well. Uh, and this is going to be the second year in a row, I believe, where he's going to miss this chase, and he barely made the, the year before. So. Uh, it's been a, a, a very big struggle for Casey Kane, and this is a guy who really needs to establish himself. And at worst, what this does for Casey Kane, it kind of kicks him in the rear end a little bit and says, you know what, here you go. If you don't perform, we have somebody kind of waiting in the winds a little bit to take over your ride. The one thing that I'm looking forward to again is seeing how Alex Bowman does in the 88 this weekend. When he ran at New Hampshire, he was in the top ten until they had the tire issue. He actually ran the 88 better than Jeff Gordon has in the races that Jeff Gordon's been in the 88. Jeff Gordon has been an afterthought in the 88. Bowman, I mean, if I'm him, you've got nothing to lose. Junior's not going to make the chase because if he gets back, it'll be for Richmond. So it's all or nothing. So he might as well go out and do everything he can to put on a show and try to find himself a home for next year because – it doesn't seem like there's a home for him at Junior Motorsports because they've got Allgaier, who brought Brandt. He's got Sadler, who brought one main financial. And they've got Byron, who they're hoping is going to bring Liberty University with them. So it's, again, attached to a sponsor. Bowman doesn't have anybody attached to him. So he's got to hope that he goes out and puts on a heck of a show and somebody says, okay, let's put you in a decent car. Or put him in a yeah. regular car where he's in there every week instead of he races the 88 whenever Junior, Kane, um, Chase Elliott, or Kevin Harvick doesn't want to run it. Well, next year you don't have to worry about Harvick because he'll be running a Ford. But <laughs> Bowman's got to sure. try to find a place and a home. And Alex Bowman's a good young driver. And the longer you sit out, the longer you don't have seat time, the easier you are forgotten. Yeah, it's it's a crazy situation. It really is over there at Junior Motorsports, at Hendrick Motorsports. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation going on out there about who's in trouble, what if Dale's going to come back or not. 
Um, but, yeah, no doubt about it. I think Alex Bowman is a guy who um, has an oppor- a little bit of an opportunity and really good stuff to go out there. And if he finishes in the top ten, it could do a lot for his career. But, you know, we've seen drivers in the past who've, um, you know, gotten an opportunity because of a good run, like Brian Vickers. But we haven't – we've seen also guys who one top ten finish really hasn't done much for him, like uh, Brett Moffitt, who's currently running the 11 truck over there in the truck series. Uh, he finished eighth, if, if you remember correctly, at Atlanta uh, last year. And, yet he got a full-time, you know, ride last year for that and was able to run for rookie of the year. But we haven't really seen him too much this year, aside from the 11 truck, which is only open because of Matt Tiff's uh, brain injury. So, yeah, no, there, there's – but this is an opportunity for for uh, Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman's, uh, like you said, a good young driver. I think he's he's learned a lot. He's running the Xfinity Series full-time before running for Roddy Benton, like we mentioned last week. Um, so this is a, a couple of weeks ago. This is a guy who um, I think has an opportunity this weekend, and I think we're not going to. This won't be the end of him in his car. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, and um, I believe this to be true. I don't know if this is true or not. This is just my brain thinking. I'm not sure Jeff Gordon really expected to be here this long. I think Jeff thought, well, you know, I'll be, I'll do it for a couple of weeks, help Rick out, and when Dale's able to come back. I'll take over. I'm not sure Jeff thought he was going to be here all the way through Darlington. I think Jeff's going to run Darlington and Richmond because those are fun racetracks. Darlington's a great racetrack. We know Richmond's a short track. He likes those tracks. But the Chicagolands, the New Hampshire's, he might not want to run those races anymore. And he's retired. You know, people forget that. He's a guy who's got a hot supermodel wife. Um, and good for him. You know, he's done everything he's needed to do in his career and over and over again. So uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, um, I'm not sure Jeff Gordon's thrilled you know, I'm sure he's doing his, his, his longtime owner and his longtime friend Rick Hendrick a favor by running in the, and giving his sponsors some recognition. So I'm not sure this is the end we're going to see Alex Bowman in this 88 car. I just have a gut feeling. So um, it should be interesting to see how he does in the other races moving forward. Um, let's talk about the Pure Michigan 400 real quick here, John, here in the last half of the show. Um, Alex Bowman, like we mentioned, he's driving the 88 car, but that's really the only um, surprise driver in this car. But what kind of, in this weekend's race, what kind of racing do you think we're going to see here at Michigan? This is a track who, listen, another thing before I get off, oh, I send it to you, a track where I've personally come out and said, I'm not sure this track deserves two dates anymore because I think the crowd's not very good there. I'm not sure the racing's very good there anymore. Um, but like you said, do you think this, they're, they're putting the, the bottom groove on a racetrack, they're running the tire machine, Running trucks with tires behind them. Um, do you think that's going to help Michigan a lot? And what kind of racing do you expect to see this weekend in the Pure Michigan 400? Well, I think, again, it's a determination of what kind of tire Goodyear brings, how the tire machine, how dragging the tires around rubbers up the track. Um, I thought it was a good race the last time, and they ran the low, low downforce package that they want to hope to run next year, and they're going to run it again this week. So, with less downforce, it makes it a driver's track. The driver has to put the input in to make sure that they are able to drive the car the best that they can, but the car is fighting against them. So it puts the emphasis back on the driver, which is what we all want to see. We don't want to see follow the leader racing. We won't want to see one groove racing. We want to see what drivers can get out of the equipment that they have. And in the past, whenever they had so much downforce, you could put a monkey in there and get about the same out of everything. And I think because of the low, low downforce, because of adding rubber to the track, I think Michigan could be 
And as wide as it is, you have three, four grooves. You get them spread out going down the front stretch. You can go top, bottom, middle in the turns if they get the tire and they get the rubber in the track the way they hope to. It can be a fantastic race. We've seen it in the past. You know, earlier uh, in Michigan's lifetime, I thought it was a great race. Uh, but recently, and I, again, I don't think this package, at least the package we ran prior to this season, um, was very good for Michigan. I think it was a, a problem for that racetrack. Um, but I'm interested to see what the tire, what tire, tire does with the tire machine and everything. Um, but, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, we're going to see the same players up front. I think if, if you had to pick a winner this weekend, um, you know, you look at Joey Logano and Brad Kozlowski from Team Penske. That's Roger Penske's old backyard. Backyard, that's Ford's backyard. They're going to run really good. Um, you know, Roger Penske uh, used to own that track, so uh, that's that's a huge player in there. And I think you have to look at Jogan's racing. I know Toyota's not based out of, out of Michigan, but they've been on point all year long, and there's nothing to say, uh, even at Bristol. I know Harvick won, but they, they were the class of the field before accidents, Toyota was. Um, there's nothing to say that they won't be the class of the field again here and that Chevrolet is closing the gap. So I think when you look at, at, at drivers who could potentially win and run really good this weekend, um, absolutely. I think Joe Gibbs Racing and, and Team Penske are on your on your list. And I'm going to be interested to see what Ryan Blaney has these last three races, John. Um, this is a guy who ran really good at Bristol, had a really fast race car, um, especially at night. When that race was at night, he looked like he had maybe had the fastest race car there. I think in the daytime it hurt him a little bit. But um, he's still a very fast car. So I'm interested to see if that momentum that they had a fast race car, Bristol, will continue for Michigan. And that's a racetrack where I think, it, you know, we haven't seen a first-time winner there since Dale Jarrett did it in 1991. But I think that's that's a potential for somebody to go out there and, and maybe steal a first-time win here, especially if he gets to a few miles race at the end. So uh, it'll be an interesting weekend for sure at Michigan. I think if they get the top groove worked in, this could be a Kyle Larson show because he can run the top with anybody, keeps his momentum going. As long as he can keep it out of the wall, he can get some he can get some speed out of the car when he runs up in the top groove. And if they get the top groove working well at Michigan, it's gonna turn it's gonna make it a different race than we saw in uh June when they were up there. I think it's gonna be a great race. Larson's gonna be someone to watch for. Uh Stewart showed how good he could I mean that the win at Sonoma wasn't a fluke whenever they went to Michigan they were running they were running well going into Sonoma I mean Michigan was a great race for Stewart and the crew with the 14 car Harvick's got the momentum they just went to Chicago land for the test and they were the fastest on the track this is one of the ones where you're going to see it's a horsepower track so you're going to see if the Chevy engine is catching up with what Toyota's been putting out and what the Penske Fords have been putting out and the horsepower that Doug Yates has been matched, putting out this year. This will be a big test to see how Hendrick Motors are doing against everybody else. Uh, you never count out Harvick. You never count out no. Logano or Keselowski whenever it comes to a Penske, former Penske-owned track. And you never count out Jimmy Johnson because... I think they've been testing a lot this summer. I don't think they've been pushing the envelope because they're securely in the chase. So I think Chad has done what he's done in the past, done a little experimenting to find out what he's got coming up. I think now they're going to start, okay, time to put on the toggle switch. It's a couple races before the chase. Let's get our stuff Mm -hmm. together and make sure we have some momentum going into the race at Chicagoland 
for the opener of the chase. Um, but when it comes to the rookies, I can see Chase Elliott putting up a solid finish. I can see Blaney with the Ford Power and a Penske car. And I could see Larson, even though he's not a rookie, I could see him going high and possibly getting his first win. It should be a great race, but there's always a shot we're disappointed. You never fail. But before, <laughs> one of the things before we log up, um, I do want to thank the folks at SpeedwayMedia.com because if yes. you want to, if you miss um, this show, it is available on our on the SpeedwayMedia.com website. I want to thank the folks at SpeedwayMedia.com for posting us up there and giving us another avenue for. Uh, talking in circles to be at. Yeah, it really is a great, a great uh, thing that um, I failed to announce. I wanted to make sure it was up and away before we uh, really announced it and got everything perfect with it. Um, but yeah, no doubt, you can find our shows now if you go to speedwaymedia.com and you click the little talking in circles tab on the website. It brings you right to all our shows. So a lot of fun. It's it's growing a lot. And John, you're you're a big part of that. And uh, previous hosts who I can't mention by name, uh, and he was a big part of it as well. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's a lot of fun to be on a show that's growing, and, and hopefully we're making some making people enjoy listening to us, making some headway. I know I, you and I both enjoy doing it, uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and personally, you know, I just can't wait for the next shows and the next shows, you know, uh, and talking about Michigan. And I tell you what I'm really excited for, and we've seen a lot of um, schemes come out this week. You know, and, and we'll get dive into that a little bit more next weekend, but I'm really excited for the Southern 500. I think it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. Uh, if this package, which has been very good on a lot of racetracks, translates well to Darlington, I think it's going to be awesome to see there at Darlington as well. So um, Michigan's going to be a very interesting weekend. And I, I think something you touched on too, which is correct, um, is the fact that if these teams are testing, which you think uh, – Jimmy Johnson and, and a 48 team have been kind of on test mode here the last month or two. Um, I think it, it's about time to saddle up and say, you know what, let's go. Now it's time, it's go time because we have they have to build momentum for the chase. I think you're right, and it starts at Michigan. I know this package isn't something they're going to use in the chase, which is something to keep in mind too as well. But you all definitely want your momentum. You definitely want to run good and, and feeling good when you get to the chase. I think you're totally right on that. Yeah, without a doubt, they've got, I mean, even though the package is different, you want to make sure your engines are good, you want to make sure you've got the horsepower you need. This is your, probably your last shot because you've got the mile and a half coming up in that chase, there's five of them, and Michigan drives like a mile and a half, except it's just got so much room for it. So this is your last real good shot to figure out what you're going to do for the chase because it drives like a mile and a half, and it'll be a... I think it'll be a great race on Sunday. I hope it's a great race on Sunday, and I hope when we talk next week, it is about the great race that we watched on Sunday, not of it was follow the leader and the tires didn't do good, and Goodyear came with a crap tire. What are we going to do next? Yeah. <laughs> well, and we've had that discussion lately, uh, not lately, but recently, about some races. So, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's definitely, hopefully it's something that, we don't talk about, uh, and hopefully it's a great weekend at Michigan. I know uh, there were some rumors that maybe the track wasn't selling as many tickets as they had in the past. I hope that is not the case anymore. I hope they sell out a lot of tickets because I like Michigan in general. I think it's a great racetrack. I hope it's not, you know, I love being where the uh, the big manufacturers are, but um, it's something, like I said, I've been vocal about be shortening after one one weekend and putting it in the chase. I want to thank Joseph Shelton again from SpeedwayMedia.com uh, for joining the show, talking about his Bobby Hamilton piece, junior piece. If you missed that uh, and you're just listening now, you can go 
to speedwithmedia.com now to click on the show or go to our Facebook and Twitter page and listen to that. I want to thank John Harlow again, and we'll see you next weekend here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.